one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to another members-only Beast Inside episode of The Daily Beast, The New Abnormal. We thank you so much for being here. Today we have a very special bonus episode with Joe Neguse, who's the U.S. Representative for Colorado's 2nd Congressional District. You may know Joe as one of the rising stars of the Democratic Party after his role as an impeachment manager, and we're going to talk to him all about that and a handful of other issues. On this show, we had James Carville, and we were talking before, and he said, the thing about impeachment, because I was asking him if he thought it was a success, and he said, the thing that's so great about impeachment is we've just discovered all this new talent in the Democratic Party. So I'm pretty sure he was referring to you. I think that's fair to say. He's very kind. (laughs) So talk to me about the impeachment manager. How did you get the job? How did that go down? I think people would love to hear a little backstory on that. Sure. Well, you know, so by way of background, myself, Mr. Raskin, now my good friend, uh, colleague, uh, Jamie Raskin, uh, chairman of the Intelligence Committee, uh, Chairman Schiff, and then Chairwoman Lofgren, uh, Zoe Lofgren from California. The four of us had been asked by Speaker Pelosi to prepare the arguments Uh, for the Electoral College certification process uh, on January 6th. So we had been working for about a month, uh, you know, over virtual Zooms and and kind of preparing for January 6th, recognizing, uh, given the public reporting, that uh, that various Republican members were likely to make, uh, you know, baseless objections to the Electoral College certification and wanting to make sure that we were fully prepared for that moment. So uh, we, as I said, had spent a great deal of time preparing on that front. And then, of course, uh, the events of January 6th uh, happened, which uh, we can go into great detail, but obviously our country uh, lived through uh, that terrible day. Were you on the floor that day? I was. So we, uh, myself, Jamie, uh, Chairman Schiff, and Chair- Chairwoman Lofgren, we were all on the floor uh, because we were you know, managing the floor debate for the Electoral College certification. So we, I actually was very focused on you know, delivering my arguments. I had just finished delivering my first uh, kind of set of arguments. And uh, one of my Republican colleagues began to you know, make his presentation. And then uh, I noticed that the Speaker of the House, Speaker Pelosi, was escorted off the floor, uh, which, of course, you know, clearly uh, you know, was a signal to us in the House that something was amiss. And then I noticed that the majority leader, Finney Hoyer, who was sitting a row or two behind me, uh, that he was evacuated by a security detail. And then it you know, kind of descended from there, of course, as we you know, found out that uh, the chamber was locked down and that the uh, rioters had uh, breached the Capitol and uh, had, uh, you know, were in the Capitol rotunda and uh, that tear gas had been deployed. And so, you know, we're instructed to you know, retrieve our, our gas masks and um, eventually we were evacuated from the floor uh, to a secure location elsewhere in the Capitol complex. But and then, of course, as you know, we, you know, later that evening returned back to the House floor to finish the job that we had started. We all felt very passionate about making sure that the Congress sent a signal, not just to Americans, but to the rest of the world that you know our republic would endure and that we wouldn't be intimidated into not finishing our uh, solemn obligation. So in any event, long-winded way of saying, given the events of January 6th and given you know the, the, the weeks leading up to it, uh, Jamie and I had worked 
fairly extensively on that front. And so uh, the speaker, uh, obviously following the, the vote on impeachment and the article being approved by the House, uh, she reached out and gave me a call and asked me to serve in this capacity. And, and given the events of January 6th and, and my role uh, in terms of the Electoral College certification, I felt uh, duty bound to, uh, to to do it and and, uh, and ultimately proceed. Did you think you were going to die? It's a good question. Uh, you know, I when I was on the floor, I mean, I again, in the beginning, I, it wasn't clear to me what was happening outside of the Capitol. Right. I mean, there are no no TVs on the House floor. And so I was getting text messages from friends and, and from my wife that, you know, were kind of growing more alarmed as I was sitting there. But again, I don't know that it fully dawned on me until my wife texted me and said, this is bad. They are in Statuary Hall, which for those of your listeners who've been to the Capitol will know that Statuary Hall is very close, uh, mere feet away from the House chamber. Um, And so once she sent that, uh, once uh, you know, it was clear as you could hear the uh, the rioters pounding on the doors to the outside of the House chamber. Uh, you know, at that point, uh, of course, was very uh, concerned about uh, my safety, the safety of everybody in the Capitol. I texted my wife and told her that uh, I loved her and uh, our daughter. Uh, we have a, a two and a half year old uh, very much and told her that everything would be fine because I was worried that she would, uh, you know, clearly as she's watching on TV, what uh, what I can't necessarily see, but can only imagine. And then, you know, you kind of hope for the best. And, and again, I, I was just grateful to Capitol Police who, you know, were were so brave and so courageous and uh, really, you know, saved lives uh, that day. I mean, you think about all of the members of Congress, the staff, uh, they just, they put themselves on the line and uh, I'll, I'll forever be grateful. Yeah, it, it does seem like terrible disaster was averted. Definitely. I, you know, when you see the video footage, of course, that some of which uh, none of us had seen until last week uh, when, yeah. uh, you know, we shared it during the course of the impeachment trial of, you know, Senator Romney and just how close he came to uh, some of these uh, insurrectionists and, and, yeah. and just the, the, the fact that uh, they were so close to potentially encountering members of Congress uh, or, or even potentially the vice president of the United States. Again, the, the Capitol Police were true heroes. And of course, as we know, tragically, we've you know, lost several officers uh, you know, during the course of the event in the days after. Yeah, and the, the weekend after. So I think the question that everybody in the world wants to know is, why didn't Democrats call witnesses? That's a great question, and it's a fair question, and one that I've gotten from uh, a lot of folks. Uh, so <laughs> Sorry. I'm happy to, no, no, I'm trying to question. stay away from the question that everybody asked, but I wanted to. No, but it's yeah. A, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a question that's asked for a, a lot of years. It's a to fair come. question. Um, let me take a step back, and then I'll I'll, I'll get to kind of the, the, the core of this issue, right? So 30,000 foot view, as lead manager Raskin said early on, we believed and we continue to believe that we proved our case. The evidence was overwhelming of the president's guilt. That is evidenced by the fact that a majority of the United States Senate in the most bipartisan vote in the history of our republic voted to convict, including seven Republicans. And of course, multiple other senators who, while they acquitted uh, the president on jurisdictional grounds, nonetheless, in effect, concede that we proved our case and that we met our burden. Given that, I agree with Lee Manager Raskin that, you know, whether it's five witnesses or 5,000 witnesses, it would not have changed the ultimate outcome. Now, all of that being said, we debated the question as to whether or not to ask for witnesses to you know, provide video deposition testimony during the course of the trial. Uh, as you know, you know, the way the trial is structured 
under the organizing resolution that was adopted by the Senate, which largely mirrors the one that was used during the Clinton impeachment, that timeline allows for the calling of witnesses after the prosecution presents its case and after the defense uh, presents their rebuttal. And so ultimately that happened to be on Saturday morning. Uh, on Friday, we learned Friday evening of the full extent of the statement made by Congresswoman Herrera Butler and the statement that she recounted uh, from Leader McCarthy and his conversation with the president, which of course went directly to the president's state of mind, was probative evidence in our view and, and supported our theory of the case. And so we decided uh, that we thought it was important for her statement, uh, in effect, her testimony to be a part of the evidentiary record. And so lead manager Raskin you know, proceeded to make this motion to have her testify uh, as one witness, not multiple witnesses, but, but one. Uh, shortly after we made that request, a couple of things became pretty clear in sort of the ensuing two hours. First, the president's counsel indicated that they would concede uh, that her testimony be entered into the evidentiary record, which was no small feat because, as you'll recall, their attacks on the evidentiary record were significant. So their willingness to stipulate that that testimony would, you know, her statement, which in effect would, you know, be the same as any video testimony that she offered, uh, that that would be entered into the record, that the Senate could consider it for purposes of their deliberations and that the American people would hear it, would mattered a great deal. And then secondly, my understanding, uh, you know, again, based on conversations that, uh, you know, I think took place, it was clear that other witnesses whom have been speculated about in the media in terms of potential witnesses that we could have heard from were unlikely to voluntarily comply and voluntarily appear, which meant we would have to issue subpoenas and they could very well contest those subpoenas in court. And of course, for the six of us managers who served and continue to serve on the House Judiciary Committee, who had a front row seat to the president's obstruction during the Mueller investigation, who are still litigating today the subpoena for Don McGahn two years later. Uh, it was very clear to us that, that they we, could end up, yeah, we could end up in protracted litigation for weeks, months, years. So at the end of the day, there was a balancing of the equities. So on that point, on the first point that I mentioned, and I think given that we had ultimately succeeded in getting the critical piece of evidence that we believed uh, should be shared with the Senate into the record, we felt like the most prudent way forward was to to move forward. And uh, I think that was the right call. I trusted lead manager Raskin's judgment on that that front. And um, and ultimately, again, as I said, I think that's largely a, a view that has vindicated or an approach rather that was vindicated by that ultimate outcome. Already, there's been so much pushback from Republicans about the Capitol riot. Like I wrote a piece for the Beast two days ago about how they're, they've been sort of, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this. There was a letter written by Jim Jordan and broken-brained Devin Nunes that said that maybe this was Nancy Pelosi's fault for not having let the National Guard come in. So there's already so much disinformation coming out of the GOP side. How do you, and I, I understand that this is like a sort of untraditional question for Democrats, but how can you guys fight against this and make it clear to history that this was actually Trump supporters? I have not seen that particular letter uh, that you referenced, but I guess I would say my sense is that the American public very well understands what happened on January 6th and who was, you know, as Mitch McConnell himself said, practically and morally responsible for the events of that tragic day. I don't think there is any 
doubt amongst the vast majority of the American public about the answer to that question. And that is you know, something that obviously uh, was crystal clear by virtue of the evidence that we showed during the course of the trial, which, of course, the American public had a chance to see as well. And I think it's, as I said, evidenced in you know, the outcome during the trial and the seven Republicans who chose country over party and did the right thing and, and, and stood up uh, when their country needed them the most in terms of voting to convict. So, look, those particular members of Congress you mentioned are going to say what they're going to say. I'll let the historical record speak for itself. The empirical you know, polling data that I've seen seems to bear out uh, the the consensus view that I just described, and and I, you know, my focus will remain, I think, on the latter as opposed to trying to, uh, you know, disabuse uh, others of you know the opposite notion. I guess. <laughs> Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or I prefer Don't you? That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows. I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will, because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands, from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. 
we've done a lot of interviews on how you combat fascism and uh, we're pretty convinced that you guys have to really deliver for the American people this time, no matter how Republicans obstruct you. Deliver a narrative. Well, no, delivering actual change for people. Oh, yes, also that. (laughs) I see that you support Medicare for all but I haven't seen indication of how fast we're going to get to start to learn that. I think that that will be the most substantive change for people in their lives. Do we see any hope on that happening soon? That's a good question. So uh, let me say two things first, because I, this is an issue that I know you all have written about extensively, right? As we think about just in terms of structural reforms in strengthening Article One of our Constitution, right, and the legislative branch, and then and then I'll talk a little about healthcare in particular. But um, I just I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't say that it's important for us not to become complacent. There are you know we saw what happens when you have an administration that undermines the rule of law, uh, with the various scandals of the Department of Justice, for example, under the former Attorney General, and the inability of the Congress to hold the executive branch fully accountable. So I hope that the Congress would move swiftly on enacting structural reforms that will ensure that we can prevent any future you know reckless executive branch from undermining the constitutional safeguards that have you know, undergirded our republic since the very first days of our founding. I'll give you an example. For example, it would include strengthening the ability for congressional subpoenas to actually have teeth. Right, Myself that would be and, cool. You know, Ted Liu, a colleague of mine, a fellow manager, we've, we've had a proposal out for over a year that would uh, reinstitute, reassert the congressional inherent contempt power. Because again, th- these issues, they-, they should be relevant irrespective of who is in the White House. It- it's it's about congressional authority under Article One to ensure that the legislative branch can function the way that the framers intended. So there's a, a long list of reforms that Chairman Schiff, uh, Chairman Nadler, myself and others have been working on, and I'm hopeful that we can, we can make progress on those. Now, with respect to your point about uh, you know, making a change uh, for the better in the, the daily lives of Americans. I couldn't agree more. I think it's important for us to be bold uh, and uh, to be progressive in, in in trying to do what we can to move the needle for the American people. It's why uh, I support Medicare for All and have supported Medicare for All since the very first day that I was sworn into the United States Congress. You know, there are disagreements, as you know, about, you know, the best way forward on healthcare reform and you know different thoughts and, and suggestions about how to get there. I think there's general consensus in the Democratic caucus that we have to make healthcare more affordable, more accessible. So, you know, there will be some in that conversation who are pushing for Medicare for all. There are others who are pushing for uh, you know various other options like Medicare X and lowering the Medicare eligibility age, for example. From my point of view, that's you know, those conversations will happen within the caucus and I, I will try to do everything I can to, you know, push to to make the the ultimate uh, you know, bill that uh, is adopted and implemented, one that covers as, as many people as, as, poss- as we possibly can. I have a question for you about this 9-11 style commission that Nancy Pelosi is going to set up. One of the things that Jesse and I have done all these interviews have, have learned about is this idea that narrative fights fascism. And that the way to sort of fight Trumpism is to have narrative, which means witnesses and hearings and testimony and things read into the record. Will that be included in this commission? And how can Democrats, because remember, I think, you know, it does still seem like those Democratic guardrails are pretty mushy. I mean, we got rid of Trump, but it was really, it could have really gone either way. And I mean, I just think that don't you get the sense that those things need to be shored up? 
Yeah, you know, this is, again, it, it's an interesting question because I think it feeds into the point I made earlier about the structural reforms and statutory reforms, rather, that I think the Congress can pursue. I mean, there are ways in which we can shore up the ability of, for example, the Department of Justice to not become so blatantly politicized as it was under uh, the former attorney general, right? There are ways, as I said previously, that we can strengthen congressional oversight through the subpoena power and other steps um, that we can take to enhance the powers of the legislative branch, which have been largely abdicated, not just during the last four years, but it's sort of a long march that accelerated uh, during the Trump administration. With respect to the commission itself, I, I don't know, you know, the particulars as to whether or not uh, there would be witnesses involved. And, you know, I think uh, I have not seen the final language on the proposal to create the commission. I think it's an important step forward. I think there are a lot of uh, questions with respect to, uh, you know, uh, moving forward prospectively, how we secure the capital complex, how we make sure that the people's business can still, you know, be done in a way that is safe uh, in our nation's capital. And um, so, you know, uh, apprising the vulnerabilities within the capital complex and, uh, and getting to the bottom of that, I think is certainly important. But yeah, beyond that, I don't, I think I'd have to defer to those who were, uh, who were, uh, you know, authoring that proposal. So your state was drastically, drastically transformed by marijuana being uh, legalized. And I see that you support taking that nationally. Can you talk about what you've seen and how that could help the country? Yeah. So in Colorado, as you know, uh, the voters ultimately uh, legalized cannabis in 2012. So Colorado has had a, a regulated form of you know cannabis legalization for the better part of the last, gosh, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. Uh, it's a regulatory system that has been Refined and improved over time. There were certainly, uh, you know, obstacles uh, in the early days as, you know, we regulators here in Colorado tried to, to figure out uh, the ways to make sure that it would work appropriately. But I, I think Colorado has, uh, you know, largely, again, it's not to say that there aren't issues uh, that we continue to grapple with, but at the end of the day, the ability of the state to move forward in that regard has, I think, been something that other states have seen and have used as an example, as a benchmark to then pursue their own ballot initiatives or uh, statutory proposals within state legislatures, right? And you see that across the country, both with respect to medical marijuana, but also recreational marijuana. So yeah, in terms of the federal legislation, as you know, the, the Moore Act, uh, which was a uh, bill uh, that uh, Earl Blumenhauer from the state of Oregon and uh, Chairman Nadler and uh, Representative Barbara Lee, who's really been a champion on this particular issue for decades uh, that they led on and a bill that I support, um, you know, as to its prognosis in the current Congress, again, I, I think that's uh, that remains to be seen, but I, I do think there's some real challenges. You know, when I talk to folks about the need for the federal government to, to speak on this issue, perhaps the most prominent example that I offer is the issue of banking, and because you still have, you know, a, a regulated industry that is billions of dollars in gross revenue every year here in Colorado, and of course, the same can be said of other states, that is largely unable to access the federal banking system because of the position uh, that uh, federal regulators have taken the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency and others. So, you know, for me, it's a public safety issue, the need for the Congress and the executive to, to come to an arrangement here on enabling states that have made their this decision, as Colorado voters have, uh, to be able to respect their will and do what we can to make sure that uh, it's done in a safe way. So that, uh, you know, in terms of the industry being regulated in a safe way. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. You were great. Thank you. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Fantastic. On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks in The Daily Beast and beyond from media, 
culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Molly Jongfast, and he's at the Rick Wilson. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.